0: Alright, good afternoon everybody. Good afternoon. I'm just getting used to the sound of my own voice through a speaker. It just takes a while to kick in. Um, I've been asked by Ori and Ralph today to speak about the topic of minimalism. So I got dressed up in my fourth drawer clothes. They smell fantastic, I promise. And uh, just to get into the, into the character and let it really marinate in me, what, it, what it's like to... These, this is probably going to be their last wearing. It even has the date on here, Case for Kids 2012. I had a 2010, but it didn't fit anymore. That's, that's, that's another story. But, um, yeah. um, so when I first uh, got given this task, I was preaching about minimalism, the first pictures that came to my mind were about maybe trendy hipsters or uh, monks, maybe hippies in a combi, or maybe even really elite people who have so much money that they can buy the best and then just chuck the rest out. That's what came to my mind. I don't know if I'm crazy. I'd like to hear from you. What are things that come to your mind when you hear the term minimalism? Less is more. Less is more? Good. I like the new crap, well, it's not that new anymore, but where you're supposed to pick stuff up and go, do I love it? And if you don't, you just don't. <laughs> okay. That's deep. We might try that later.
1: What
0: kind of what specifically? What kind of people do you picture when you hear the term minimalism? I know it can be artwork. I know it can be those things. Homeless people. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. White space. is a minimalist. I mean, another funny thing is we've um, we've, we've decked it out with Max here because every video I saw on minimalism. Funnily enough, those people loved Macs for some reason. It just seems to be synonymous with their way. Um, so we've, we've decked it out with Mac attire for today. Um, we're going to watch a video now on, on said Macs um, about what minim- minimalism
1: truly is about. What is minimalism? On its surface, minimalism is about owning fewer possessions, about owning less stuff, but it's actually far more than that when you start to consider it. I define minimalism as the intentional promotion of the things we most value by removing anything that distracts us from it. In this way, minimalism is about intentionality. We live in a world where we see 5,000 advertisements every single day, and every single advertisement calls for our attention and it calls for our affection. Minimalism is about rejecting those messages and taking back control of our own lives and being intentional with our time and our money and our energy. Minimalism is also countercultural. Our society praises excess and overconsumption at every turn. Minimalism is about rejecting that idea. It's about recognizing that excess actually carries with it a burden. And in this way, minimalism is also about passion and purpose. It's about rejecting this idea that I can find happiness and fulfillment in possessions it's about realizing my life was designed and created for something far greater than that that there are far better places to find my happiness and my fulfillment and it's about rejecting possessions it's about removing those distractions and pursuing more and more of my values this is minimalism it's about more than owning less it's about taking back control over our lives. It's about rediscovering and finding a greater purpose and a greater passion, and discovering a greater life than we ever thought imaginable.
0: There you go. So if I'd never told you that uh that, that guy was a Christian, would you think he was? By what he said, those, the, the words he used, the tones, do they sound like they fit what Christians believe? Yeah, it, it was a surprise to me. All right, today I want to tackle three questions and I'm going to need your help. Firstly, what does the Bible say about the minimalistic lifestyle? We're going to bring up some scriptures on the board and I'm going to delegate them out to you. So if you can get your Bibles ready, I'm going to ask you to read out some scriptures for me. Okay, who wants Proverbs sixteen eight? Just put your hand up if you want that one. Thanks, Lindell. Matthew six twenty five to twenty seven. Thank you. Uh, someone can do both the Timothys. Pete, <laughs> thank you, Pete. Hebrews thirteen five. Awesome. Proverbs eleven twenty four. See that hand. And Philippians four nineteen. Going once, going once. Tim, sold. All right, when you're ready, Linda, we'll kick it off nice and loud with Proverbs 16. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or, you, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they can you can anyone add can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life Who was next, Timothy? Yeah. don't love money be satisfied with what you have for God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you." Proverbs 11.24 oh, uh, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but becomes to poverty.
1: And my God will supply
0: every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus.
1: not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold
0: of their life that is truly life. Thank you so much. I have to warn you, that's just the warm-up. The amount of scriptures that there was to sort through uh, dealing with this issue was really, really overwhelming. I'm going to get through some more, but they were the quick ones. So that's the warm-up. And what's Jesus already wanting to reveal to us um, so far through those things? Was there anything that stood out to you in those scriptures? Yeah, that God is going to provide everything, that he is sufficient. Anything else that just popped out? It's okay if it didn't. Yeah, yep, yeah, very good one. I, f- I wish I knew where that was, so I sounded like a good. <laughs> but yeah, um, that was another one. Said, "Do not worry about your life. Uh, look at the way that everything else is looked after. Everything's in control." I love that God's not a micromanager, is He? He gives us a lot of room to either do well or to stuff up at our own at our own peril. Um, moving on, I just want to say uh, before I proceed that. I'm standing here today, not as a minimalist, um, and this has been a really, really convicting journey. So as I dive into these scriptures, just know that the last two weeks or so have been really, really turbulent in my own heart processing this stuff. It hasn't been easy, it has hurt, but through the journey, it's, it's really brought me to a, a place I'm a lot more uh, happy about. So, um, the thing I want to turn to... Um, Oh, sorry, the things that I heard out of that um, is that stuff matters. The things that you have are weighty, they have gravity, and they can weigh you down. They can weigh you down physically. Um, Things can be enjoyable. Don't get me wrong. Things can be really good. They can be enjoyable. They can be incredibly useful. But they can also be insidious. It means that they, they just get in there and slowly take you down. Uh, physically, they can leave us busy, inflexible and distracted. I can definitely put my hand up and say that. I was going to joke that even just preparing this message was difficult because I had to mow the lawn and clean the pool. And, and it was just hard to find the time to do it. Because <laughs> i a need to become one. Um, spiritually, they leave you empty. Uh, things spiritually leave you empty and unfulfilled simply because they're not spiritual. They're just physical things. Sorry if I have not had the microphone close enough. If the love of things gets into your heart, watch out, because they have the potential to strangle what matters most. In my own life, just to share what's been going on in me, for a long time, I would say that insidiously, God has just been etched off the throne in my life. Over a long time, I can't even tell you when it started, Um, but I would honestly say that somewhere in there I just started to feel like I was more self-sufficient that um, I would never say that I didn't need God but the way that I acted and I lived my life was very much in my head not bringing myself to God not asking him not doing it in his terms but simply thinking what's my best way forward and I'm a smart guy I'll work it out and and like I said, it goes slowly. You don't realise the vacuum um, that is, is create, being created in your life and it just goes and goes and goes. And this really pulled me up very, very quickly and made me think, where have I come? Where, where have I got to that I, don't even, I read these scriptures like it's the first time? I've been doing this for 30 years now and I think, how, how have I forgotten this? Um, To illustrate some more the power of things, I want to turn to Luke 10, and I'll read this one. I won't make you do it. Luke 10. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the labourers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the way. Moving on further into Luke 10, they come back, the 70 of them, and say, Lord, we can't believe it. Even the demons listen to us. They had gone into a whole another realm of spirituality that they'd never tasted. And then was like, Jesus, we used to watch you do this stuff and then somehow now we are doing this stuff. And they couldn't believe it. And they also said, he asked them, did you lack anything? No, we had everything we needed. We took nothing. We had no money. We had nothing. And yet we were, as you mentioned, Karen, sufficient. We had everything we needed. I want to read you another story. This is from an excerpt of a... Chinese uh, pastor named Pastor Xi, which is spelled X I. I thought it was Pastor Eleven when I first saw it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a joke to my wife.
0: <clears> Teresa's <throat> the only one. Not laughing.
1: <laughs> she didn't get it.
0: <laughs> so uncultured. She's thinking. <laughs> pastor Xi was one of the most influential converts in the early uh, Chinese church. He was a convert of Hudson Taylor. Um, after his conversion and deliverance from an opium addiction, Z was renamed Overcomer of Demons. How's that for a name? You like that on your birth on your birth certificate? Overcomer of Demons, get over here. That's the that's the name he only got used by his parents, by the way. It was just overcomer, but when he was in trouble, Overcomer of Demons, you come here. No, seriously, I'll get on to the story. It's incredible. One day while ministering to a large crowd, Zhi, having cast a demon out of a man, was approached by somebody and given around $50 for his ministry. The gesture caught him off guard and he accepted it without thinking or checking if it sat right in his heart. Within minutes, the man that had been oppressed by the demon was back and screaming at him repeatedly, Now you have no authority. Not even you can cast me out. Z was perplexed. He had no idea what had transpired. What had changed? He looked down into his hand and saw the money. He discerned that that could have been the only cause. He ran back to the man who had left down the road and said, thank you, but I can't accept this. He then returned to the possessed man and cast the demon out a second time. When I first read that story, it rocked my world. I still don't think I can truly process that it can be like that. It made me think: What can can fifty dollars matter? And it wasn't about the fifty dollars. Um, he goes later in to say that I think when he received that money, it, his whole ministry was was a uh, funded project, and I just thought, I think he said that he just started thinking, ah. Oh, Things are going well, you know. This is getting some momentum. I'm doing all right. And it was, that, it was just that thought that maybe I'm doing this, maybe this is okay that mattered. But, but something as little as $50 could mean so much in the heart of a person that it could change his authority with God just made me think. To be honest, it made me think my experience in the Christian world at the moment is I don't see a lot of stuff. I don't want to be critical. I don't want to point fingers. But if I'm honest, I say, I don't see a lot of that stuff happening. And sometimes I wonder, is little things like that, why? I'll leave that question open. Um, if you can turn your Bibles to Mark ten seventeen, The second thing that I think the scriptures show us. Firstly, that stuff matters. But... More, more than that is that Jesus wants so much to be our first priority. He just wants our heart. We were made for him in the beginning. It just boggles my mind to just stop and think that in the beginning of time, a fully sufficient God who has no need of anything would decide to craft and create us for his enjoyment and that that's where we find our true Purpose. Going into Mark 10:17, Jesus counsels the rich young ruler. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, "Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life?" So Jesus said to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is good but that one that is God. You know the commandments: do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not false witness, Fraud, honour thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, I do all of these things since my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I love that part that they included that. Jesus looked at him and loved him because it sounds sometimes like he's getting berated. But Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus then turned to his disciples and said, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Again, I really want to point out, this is not about having stuff, this is about our heart and our heart condition. And if, God's not on, if Jesus isn't on the throne, then uh, we've got some problems. Luke ten thirty eight. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And as she had a sister called Mary... Who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore I tell her to get up and help me. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Ends up if you're worried and troubled about many things. Sometimes, But one thing is needed One thing is needed And Mary has chosen that good part Which will not be taken away from her That is such a beautiful picture That Jesus could pick out in a moment there Someone that sat at his feet to worship him And someone who's doing a good thing Doing a really good thing and serving the people And serving the house That's a really good thing to do But it's about priorities. Jesus wants to be the number one. He wants to sit on the throne. He wants to be first. You can do two right things in the wrong order and get a horrible result. If I put my pants on in the morning and decide to put them on in the wrong order, I do two right things, but I go to work looking like a superhero. (laughs) Very Very different consequence. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. I don't know where that came from.
1: <laughs>
0: love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. This is incredible. God, this is, God has told us that he desires to live within us, that his new temple, the old one was torn down, the one with bricks and mortar was torn down and he wants to live inside of us. Human beings. And I kind of see this as God's building plan for that temple. Is that He's just put three three dimensions in place. Love God first. Love your neighbor, and then love yourself. And to the capacity that you can do that, I don't know if this is a bit of an abstract picture, but I feel like you know how in in you'll understand this as a as an architect that. Everything has those three portions, like length, breadth, and height. And I feel like to the level that we can love God and love people and love ourselves, it's like we're, we're expanding a room, in a sense. And that's where God is able to vacate. But can you understand that as soon as you get one of those wrong, or you change one, it affects everything. The room will shrink to the size that you do those things, if that makes sense. Like I said, it's a little abstract. Um, This scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength and you love your neighbour as yourself, has so much freedom and room in it. Like I said, God doesn't want to micromanage our lives and tell us don't do this, don't do that, do what I say or you're a naughty person. It's not his way. He gives us the plan and says go out there. Um, I love that creed that says the purpose of our lives, sorry if I'm stuffing this microphone, the purpose of our lives is to love God and enjoy Him forever. It's just such a, such a different feel to, I think, what the, what the notion of Christianity is, that oh, it's just a bunch of rules, a bunch of don'ts. But when, when God says it, He just says, just put me first and everything else will come. You will be, you will have everything you need. You will live a life that is unimaginable. You were made for Jesus and nothing will satisfy you until you are found in him. I think if we could start our days living a life focused on worship, that when you wake up in the morning, I know this sounds like I'm kind of, maybe I'm trying to micromanage you, but I'm just imagining that you can make up in the morning and you're, you know how you plan your day and you plan your kids and you plan everything else. But at the, at the start of that plan is just, how can I worship God to the best of my ability today? If that thought could be in our minds when we wake up and it becomes the routine of our life and it becomes the, the rhythm that, um, that we enjoy, I just think that's such a profound picture and something I'm aspiring to. <clears throat> Thirdly, I just want to talk about how we can follow holy after God. I don't know where you're at today, but as I've said, I've been in a not good place, a very dry place, just skimming along, still a part of the Christian community, still doing uh, I work as a school chaplain, I'm, I'm doing a ministry job. But you can do a lot of good things and not have the right fuel. And I haven't, to be honest, had the right fuel. And this has been a, a real start for me. So what I'm sharing now is a few steps that, that I'm hoping to take by myself. So if you're finding yourself there today, the good news is that all you need to start with is an honest and hungry heart. Just start by telling God where you're at and where you want to be. It's really simple. He will meet you there. And like we said, he will be your sufficiency. This is not an act of works. We're not trying to earn our way to God or to get to a place where he's happy with us. That's already done. That's been done a long time ago. And it's about us. Stepping into God's rhythm. Uh, secondly, fill your life with ways that you worship God or things that create wonder in your life. If you're an outdoors person, then get outdoors and enjoy the things that make God feel big again, that make Him just feel like, whoa, I just had those. I, I used to love to climb mountains because as soon as I climb mountains, I look out at the vastness and just go, oh, you know what? He's got a lot of things to do and my little problems are very small in the scheme of things. So whatever your thing is, find that thing that just um, creates wonder in your heart and meet God there simply with thankfulness. As soon as you encounter that wonder, just meet God with thankfulness and say, thank you, God, for what you've done. And uh, thirdly, imagine your life full of his presence and what he, what he might be able to do in you. It, it strikes me the way that Jesus lived his life and constantly, whenever people tried to kind of pin amazing things on him, like we read in the other scripture, who is good? Who are, who are you talking about? He always just humbled himself because it was so significant that he always just glorified the Father because that's where it was coming from. And I think in ourselves, if, if Jesus can abide in God and lived the life that he did, what could happen in us if we could abide in Jesus effectively that that same spirit would live in us and, as the Bible says, do even greater things than what Jesus did? So imagine your life and what God could do in it. Don't, don't spend your time thinking about all of the wrong things you've done. Just imagine what could God could do with me if I could just get into his rhythm, if I was full of God. Next, we want to meet him at the cross. This has been my journey of the last two weeks. He's just coming, coming back and just bowing down and saying, God, I'm sorry. I've been sitting on the throne for a while now, and I do not deserve it. I don't want to be there, and I'm just putting you back there. The cross is the place where you realise that God's economy, all of that sufficiency that we mentioned, all the resources that God has... Is in the kingdom of God. It's in a heavenly realm. And when we come to the cross, Jesus went from our life to the to heaven through the cross, through death. And painfully but awesomely at the same time, He invites us to take the same path. Take up your cross and follow me. It simply means we need to die to ourselves. Um we want to decide to follow Jesus. Simple statement. Some of you might be doing that already. Some of you might not. But we want to follow Jesus and really just make sure that he is the number one, that he's the Lord, that, that as we are planning our life and thinking about our life, that we do it via, uh, via what we know of him. And lastly, and I think this is the part that really summarises this minimalism uh, tone that we've had. Learn to die daily. I think, like I said, I've been closer to God in my life than I have been now, and somewhere along the line, I stopped doing it. I knew a good way, and for whatever reason, I stopped doing it. And so I just encourage you, if you're, if you're there already, keep just remember, Every couple of days, just humble yourself and say, God, I know nothing. Gee, it feels good to say that. Do you ever say that? I just know nothing. To digress a little bit, I watched something the other day that made me know nothing. I was watching a a DVD, like a YouTube video, about um, people, what are they called? Savant syndrome. People who can do amazing things. And these people had accidents where their brain one, kid, one guy got hit in the head with a baseball and then the next day for the rest of his life he had a calendar memory and he could tell you every day of the week, month, year and the weather for the rest of his life he could remember everything because of a hit in the head and little wonders like that, I know that's such a silly example but it just makes me go, gee, you know what, we just know nothing Alright, and that's a really good place to start. Die daily, continually take yourself back to the cross and ask God to fill you. And then get out there and create create worship God in the most creative ways with the whole of yourself and he will find a very happy house inside you.